The following audio is from Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. Well, today we continue our study on Hebrews. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 8. I want to ask you the question, how does God relate to us? Have you ever stopped to think about how God relates to us, his creation? Uh, you know, our relationships here are, um, are governed by rules. They're often unspoken. Sometimes they're spoken, but most of the time they're unspoken. Uh, we have rules in society and how we relate to each other. And uh, we call it etiquette, we call it manners, common courtesy, right? Uh, certain things, you know, there's always those people who don't abide by the rules, you know, you got the close talker who gets up and, you know, they don't follow the rules, right? It makes you uncomfortable, right? But there are rules and uh, etiquette for our relationships. And uh, God um, enters into relationship with us, his creation, through covenant, Right? And that's what Hebrews chapter 8 is talking about. He's talking about Jesus Christ, our high priest of a new covenant, a better covenant. Uh, the words the writer of Hebrews uses is a more excellent covenant. And so we're going to look at the new covenant today. We're going to do some comparing and contrasting between the old covenant and the new covenant. But before we begin, we've got to understand some things about covenant, okay? Covenant is a legal agreement, but a biblical covenant is just it's a little bit more than that. And I'm going to define it as an unchangeable, divinely imposed legal agreement between God and man that stipulates the conditions of our relationship. So the first thing we notice is that it's unchangeable. And it's unchangeable because it is divinely imposed, all right? And don't make the mistake, you know, Paul talked about we have uh, the high priest. Jesus is the high priest, but he's not of the Levitical order, so he had to change the law. So the, the covenant and the law are not the same thing, all right? The, they're different. The, the law is the stipulations that uh, we enter into so we can have relationship. But that's not the covenant, all right? So covenants are unchangeable. And it is divinely imposed. We don't have input on how we relate to God. He doesn't ask us how we should relate to him. He tells us how we're going to relate to him. And so it's divinely imposed, and our only input is whether we're going to live by it or not live by it. And so he doesn't come and ask us how we should relate to him. The second thing we need to know about covenants is there are various types of covenant. There's more than one type of covenant. The two we're concerned with today are a covenant of works, and the other one is a covenant of grace. Uh, they both have the same goal and uh, end in mind, and that is they promise to be, uh, bring us into relationship with God. We can have an internal relationship with God, and that's their goal. That is the promise of both the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. Where they differ is the covenant of works requires our obedience to the stipulations of the covenant or his commands, his law, right? And in order for that to continue. And the very, very first covenant that God made with mankind, he made with Adam and Eve, was a covenant of works. He created man and woman. He created the Garden of Eden. He placed them in there, and he had fellowship with them. And that fellowship was going to continue forever as long as they were obedient. He gave them one stipulation, and that stipulation was they could eat of any tree of the garden 
including the tree of life, but they could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right? And as long as they obeyed that command, they would have the promise of that covenant that they would live eternally and they would live in relationship with God. He would meet with them in the garden. Well, we know the story. They didn't abide by that. They ate of the tree. They broke the covenant. And ever since that time, God has been making covenants with mankind so that he can have relationship with us. And the second one uh, is the covenant of grace. And so the, uh, the covenant that he makes with Abraham is a covenant of grace. He makes unconditional promises and says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you this land, right? And through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And it was unconditional. It was given by God's grace. And so it was maintained. Uh, he entered in through Christ's obedience, a covenant of grace. We enter into the covenant through Christ's obedience and our faith in Christ's obedience. Okay? Third thing we need to understand uh, before we read this passage is what is the old covenant? Okay? He's going to talk about the new covenant. He's going to talk about the old covenant. And we can't make the mistake of believing that the old covenant is the entire Old Testament. Because that is not the Old Covenant, all right? The Old Covenant, as we're going to see as we read today, is the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, he specifically talks about the time when that covenant was established, when he delivered them out of Egypt. And he calls that the Old Covenant. The New Testament never calls the covenant that God made with Abraham, he never calls that the Old Covenant. He never calls the covenant that he made with David the Old Covenant. So he's specifically talking about the Mosaic Covenant covenant. And that covenant is a covenant of works. All right. If you go back to Exodus 19 and you read 19 through like 24 of Exodus, he outlines the covenant and he outlines the stipulations. And there are a lot of stipulations. All right. Over 600 stipulations on how we remain in the covenant. And it's a covenant of works. And he says, if you keep the law, if you, be, if you are obedient, I will bless you. I will give you this land. You will prosper. You will have kids. You will have grandkids. You'll have great-grandkids. The harvest will come in. The rain will fall. You will harvest bountifully, all right? Your enemies will flee from you. But he says, if you don't obey, then you'll be cursed, right? You will, your children will, be, will die. They'll be taken into slavery. The, the rains won't come. The harvest will stop. And you will be terrified and destroyed by your enemies. And so the Mosaic Covenant is a covenant of works, but it is what we call, what the Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews calls the Old Covenant. So one last thing before we begin, look at Hebrews 8. It's just going to, we're going to do a quick review of how we got here. How do we got to the writer of Hebrews talking about Jesus Christ as our high priest of the new covenant. Remember, he starts out way at the beginning. He talks about Jesus Christ as being divine. He talks about Jesus Christ as being fully man. He talks about Jesus Christ being supreme to Moses. He talks about Jesus Christ being supreme to the angels. He talks about Jesus Christ being supreme to the Levitical priesthood. And yet, at the same time, he fulfills all the characteristics and can be uh, and is uh, the fulfillment of the, the Levitical priesthood of the Old Covenant, right? And then he takes a break and he talks about spiritual immaturity and he encourages us to move on from immaturity to maturity. And so the next step 
uh, the last couple weeks, Paul's talked about this priest, the priest of Melchizedek. And it's a priesthood that uh, pre-existed, predated the Levitical priesthood. And it's a, a superior priesthood, right? And he says, and he talks about how Jesus Christ also has all the characteristics of this priesthood of Melchizedek, right? He's the king of righteousness, the king of peace. He has no father or mother. He has no beginning and end. He is a priest forever. And so we see that Jesus Christ is of the order of Melchizedek. And so he continues on in Hebrews uh, chapter 8, verse 1, and this is what he says. He says, now the point in what we are saying is this. So, you know, sometimes there are difficult Bible passages. We like, well, what is he saying here? I don't understand it. He's just going to come out and flat out tell us. Don't you love that, right? So if you, you got any questions about what he's saying, he's going to tell us. The main point of what we're saying is this. We, Christians, his church, have a high priest. We have such a high priest. One who is holy. One who is eternal, right? One who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. All right, this is our high priest. This is Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. And uh, again, this is sim- uh, being seated at the right hand, again, is, is symbolic. He's used this terminology before. Pastor Paul talked about it again. And it just means that he has a place of honor. He sits at the place of honor. He has authority. His work is finished. And he makes intercession for us. And so he sits at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. Verse 2, he says, A minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this high priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve the priest. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, the current, that was the old, this is the new, the current status, the way things are now, he says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is, that is as much more excellent than the old. Much more excellent. As the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. If you're going to highlight in your Bible and you want to underline, that's the verse to underline. Much more excellent. It's a better covenant. It's built on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second all right? And he says in verse 9, for he finds fault with them. He doesn't find fault with the covenant, all right? The covenant wasn't uh, faulty. The, co- the covenant was able to do what it was, could do. The fault was with us, the people he made the covenant with, all right? And that's why he says, behold, or he says, he, for he finds fault with them, the people he made the covenant with. And he says, behold, the days are are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed, them no, con- I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord. All right, he's going to tell us. Here's the covenant he's going to make with us. The new covenant, the more excellent covenant, the better covenant. He says, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Amen? Amen. So here we see his main emphasis is Christ's ministry is superior because he is the mediator of a more excellent, a better covenant, and it's built on better promises. And so I want to go through and I want to look as he, he goes back and forth between the old and the new and make some comparisons and see which one is better and why it's better. And so the first thing we see is the old covenant. Uh, it was established when he delivered the, the children of Israel from Egypt, all right? So again, we know exactly which covenant he's talking about. He's not talking about the covenant he made with Abraham. He's not talking about the covenant he made with Adam and Eve. He's not talking about the covenant with Noah. He's talking specifically about the, the Mosaic covenant, the covenant he made with Israel when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. <clears throat> and verse 9 goes on, and he says, it's not like the old covenant. The new covenant is not like the old covenant. All right? So how is it different? I'm just going to point out some quick uh, differences here. First of all, the old covenant was a covenant of works. The, uh, it, it was a conditional covenant with penalties for disobedience. Okay, So the new covenant is not like that. It is not a covenant of works. It's a covenant of grace. It is based on God's grace for us. And we enter into it by God's, or Christ fulfilling the law and sacrificing his own life for us. All right? The Old Covenant did not provide a way of justification by faith. There was no justification by faith in the Old Covenant. The only way to be justified through the law was to keep the law. All of the law, every single letter had to be kept. It's the only way you were going to be justified through the law. The New, uh, the new Covenant is different. Christ fulfills the law for us. It could not impart spiritual life. The Old Covenant doesn't impart spiritual life. It's incapable of that. Only Christ can do that. Only the Holy Spirit, when he enters into us, can regenerate us and give us spiritual life and give us new birth. The Old Covenant couldn't do that. It doesn't supply the power to meet the demands of the Old Covenant. You can try and try and try, but you'll never do it. You don't have the power. You don't have the capability, right? It's not in your nature. It's not who you are. You are incapable of changing your heart, the essence of who you are. You need an outside power to do that. You need the Holy Spirit to do that. And lastly, it keeps the Old Covenant keeps worshipers at a distance from God because of His holiness and our sinfulness. All right? They still had to maintain a separation because we couldn't, the law couldn't be justified. We couldn't be justified uh, through faith. And so we had to maintain that distance, and so we couldn't have close fellowship with him. You know, there, there was the temple, and only certain people can go inside the temple. If you weren't, if you were, um, if you converted to Judaism, but you weren't a Hebrew, you couldn't go inside the temple. If you had a physical defect, you weren't allowed inside. And then even if you could get inside the temple, you couldn't go into the holy place. Only the priest could go into the holy place. And you couldn't even not all the priests could go into the Holy of Holies. There was a veil that separated them 
where God, the place where God dwells, the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go in there, and he could only go in there once a year, and he had to do that only after he sacrificed for his sins. And so there wasn't, there, the Old Covenant just kept this distance from the people. And so we see that the Old Covenant and the New Covenant are nothing alike. They're opposite ends. And so as we read through uh, Hebrews chapter 8 here, we're going to, again, we're going to look and we're going to see uh, the ministries and the priest and how they're different. And the first thing we see uh, is that under the Old Covenant, the priest served here on earth. Under the New Covenant, our high priest serves in heaven. All right? So if you, just think about this, if you were part of a collective bargaining agreement or a, a union and you were going to negotiate your contract, who's the person that you want to represent you? Who's the person you want to, to mediate or uh, to go into negotiations to make that contract? Do you want the person who's familiar with you and sympathizes with you and knows you but doesn't know the boss? Or do you want the guy who knows the boss but doesn't know you or do you want the guy who knows both of you, right? Jesus Christ is that guy who knows both of us, right? He's God and he's man. He's divine and he's human. And so he perfectly is able to represent us to God, right? And he doesn't do it from a distance. He doesn't negotiate over the phone, all right? He's old-fashioned. He does it face-to-face. He sits at the right hand of the majesty. Which one is better? Which one do you want? I know I want the one who sits at the right hand of majesty and has access to him and knows what he wants and knows what I want. The second thing we see is uh, where they minister. or uh, in, the, uh, in the Old Covenant, they, the priests, they minister in a copy uh, made by man, all right? Uh, Moses goes up to the mountain. God gives him the blueprints for the tabernacle. This is the place where God is going to dwell. He's going to dwell among his people. And he gives them the blueprint, and he says, make it just like this. And so Moses, to the best of his ability, he's still human. It's made by human hands, makes the tabernacle, right? The new covenant says, it's not a copy. It's the real deal. He says, it's, Jesus Christ ministers in the true tent, made by God himself. Which is better, the original or the copy? The original, right? All right? When you buy a piece of art, what do you want? Do you want the original or do you want the print? The print could be very good, right? The print is just a photograph of the original, which is then printed out. And so it's good, it might look good, but it's not the original. The original is the best. And so he ministers in the temple, made by God, in the true temple, right? And so, again, his ministry is superior because he's in the original, uh, in the original tent made by God. The next thing we see is uh, that they offer uh, gifts and sacrifices, right? And we know that the priest, the Levitical priesthood, what do they offer? They offer the blood of bulls and goats. Under the new covenant, what does Christ offer us? He offers us himself. He offers us his blood. Which is superior? Which do you want? You want the blood of Christ, which is effective, which saves us. 
if the blood of bulls and goat could save, then they would only have to offer him once. But they had to repeatedly offer him year after year. Christ once for all. The new covenant is way better. Uh, in verse 4, he says, they offered it according to the law. The new covenant, he says, is according to God's grace. The Levitical priests do it according to the law. They're just following the rules that they've been outlined for them. And again, they have to keep it perfectly. The new covenant is offered to us. It is, it is according to God's grace. It's offered to us freely, unconditionally. Which is better, grace or works? Say it, grace, right? By far, far, far superior is grace than works. Man, it's unconditional. All you have to do is accept it by faith. Unconditional. Man, that's great stuff. Lastly, we see the old covenant is flawed. Again, it's not that the covenant is flawed, but the people who entered into the covenant are flawed. They're unable to change. In the new covenant, guess what? We have a new nature. We're no longer flawed. Remember a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Paul had you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm perfect. And then he said, say to them, they're perfect. It's true because we're no longer flawed. He enters into us and he changes our nature under the new covenant. The old covenant didn't do that. So what, is, what are the old promises? The old promises, they're external promises, right? Again, they, they were, he wrote the Ten Commandments. They were on a stone tablet. And they had to copy them into books. And they had to be taught. And Jesus, our God commanded them to teach their children. And so they had priests and they had scribes, and their job was to teach the commands of God. They were external. It wasn't who they were by nature, all right? It went against their nature. The laws of God went against their nature. They're sinners. So it's external. The old promise, again, is conditional. Obey, and you'll prosper. Disobey leads to death. Leads to spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. Death separated from, Christ, uh, from God for all eternity. That's the promise of the old covenant. And again, distant fellowship. You can only come to God through the priest, the high priest, who could enter in and have fellowship with God. And that's the old covenant. That's the promises of the old covenant. But the new covenant is built on better promises. And we see these better promises. And they come in the form of uh, the writer of Hebrews is quoting from Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, who was painfully, painfully familiar with the, the Old Covenant. He knew it well because he was living under the curse of the Old Covenant, right? He was living in Jerusalem when Jerusalem was being sieged because the people would not repent. They would not follow the law. And so they were receiving under the Old Covenant what they deserved. But he says, the days are coming. You will enter into a new covenant. And he tells us what the, the, the covenant is and what the promises is. And the first thing we see in verse 10 is that the new covenant, the new promises to be internal, it changes us from the inside, not from the outside. The laws are written on our hearts and our minds. 
It's, eter- in, it's internal. It becomes the essence of who we are. We no longer steal just because it's a rule that we've got to follow. We no longer steal because it's who we are. We no longer covet because it's a rule and that's bad. We shouldn't do that. It's because who we are. We don't covet. We worship God and we give him our, our worship and our devotion with our whole heart and whole mind because that's who we are. It's the essence of who we become. It's, uh, it changes everything about us. Paul would say we're new creations. We're no longer sinners who sin just because that's our nature. We are saints who sin. We're saints. And Paul would say in Romans that it, it's not us. That's not who we are. We're saints. And so the new promises is to change the very essence of who we are. The new promise is an unconditional close fellowship with God. He says, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Unconditional close fellowship. No longer is there a veil between us and the Holy of Holies. We can enter in and we can have fellowship with God. It's what God wants all along. It's what he wanted all along, is to have fellowship with us. And he makes a way for that to happen. The promise of of the knowledge of God. He says, And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. And so we will have a more perfect knowledge of who God is. There'll be no more need for evangelism. There'll be no more need for discipleship because we will know God. All right? And so, again, I've got to stop here and talk just a little bit about prophecy, okay? Because this is an Old Testament prophecy, all right? And so some of it's true now, but it hasn't fully taken effect yet, all right? So there's still future in this promise. And so do we need to evangelize? Absolutely. We need to tell... Uh, our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones about the love of Christ because they don't know. We need to be discipled and so we can know Christ and we can know God fully, right? That, but there's a future hope and a future promise. One day when we're in heaven, we will know God. We will know him personally and intimately. I love the story of Job and the story of Job, uh, most of you are probably familiar with it. He He's a righteous man, and God puts him to the test and allows Satan to do terrible things to him, and he remains faithful, and at the end, God shows up, and he questions him, and Job's response is to repent, and you know what he says? He says, I have heard of God. This is a man of God. God called him righteous. He says, I have heard of God, but now I see God. I know God. He had a more intimate knowledge after his trial and testing. And so one day we will have a more intimate knowledge of God. And that is the promise of the new covenant. And we see that there's no more classes. He says, from the least of them to the greatest of them. We, uh, we as humanity, love to divide things into classes, don't we? But in heaven... Again, this is a future promise. There is no class. There is no social class. There's no economic class. There's no racial class. Paul would say there's no longer a slave or free, no longer a Gentile or Greek, no longer a man or woman. 
He removes the barriers. We're all the same to him. Promise of the new covenant. The last promise is the promise of deliverance from the presence, the literal presence of sin. Again, this is a future hope. We are not delivered from the presence of sin yet. Right? We are painfully aware of the sin in this world. But this is a promise of the new covenant. He says, I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sin no more. Amen? These are the promises of the new covenant, a better covenant, a more excellent covenant. And it's available to you. You don't have to live under the covenant of works anymore. You don't have to try to be obedient. God's grace is here and it's available to you. How does God relate to us? He relates through covenant. He deeply desires to have a relationship with you. Can you imagine that? He deeply desires to have a relationship with you. And he created a way for that, that to happen. He created a new and more excellent covenant, a covenant of grace, not by works. And then you know what he did? He didn't just create the covenant. He appointed his one and only son to administer it, which meant that he would suffer and die and be buried and rise again and be seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty. All for the purpose of us so that we can have a relationship with him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What does this mean for us? All of this means, the fact that there's a new covenant built on better promises means that we can draw near to God. We no longer have to run. We no longer have to earn our way to heaven. It's given freely by the grace of God through the work of Christ and faith in his work. It means that we can hold fast to the promises of the new covenant. See, God's view of you does not, is not reflected in your physical circumstances. Some of you are maybe struggling financially, physically, with your health, with your uh, emotions, or with your relationships. Those struggles do not reflect how God feels about you. How God feels about you is reflected in what he did for you in creating a new covenant with better promises and appointing his son as high priest. So you can hold fast, stay the course, grit it out, because there's hope. There are better promises. You can encourage one another. Encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another to draw close to God. Encourage one another to stand fast because of what Christ has done, because of the new covenant, the better covenant, because of our high priest who is the supreme high priest. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we are so, so grateful for what you have done for us. 
done what we could not do for ourselves. You've, you've created a way for us to have relationship with you, the eternal blessing of spending eternity in your presence in close fellowship with you. By creating this new covenant, what an excellent covenant it is. Thank you for the promises. Thank you for appointing Christ as our high priest. Father, help us to draw close to you. Help us to stay the course. Help us to hold fast to these promises for all the days of our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. So this week we celebrate our independence, and I want to leave you with this word from uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Galatia. uh, Galatia. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The new covenant sets us free. Do not go back and try and go back to the old covenant, a covenant of works. Live and rejoice in the covenant, the new covenant, in the freedom that we have. And be safe and enjoy our Independence Day. Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.